please remain standing as I read our scripture for today, which comes from the first chapter of Colossians, beginning in verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you, you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel, and I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. This mystery that's been hidden throughout the ages and generations but has now been revealed to all the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Things fall apart. This is the title of a book that I read, a book by Chinua Achebe about colonialism and Christianity coming to Africa. I read this book in Dr. Bailey's AP literature class when I was a senior in high school. And recently I got curious about it, and so I went to learn a little bit about this phrase, things fall apart. It's a line made famous by poet W.B. Yeats in his poem, The Second Coming, written 100 years ago in 1919 in the wake 
of the First World War. For the first time through photograph, humans could see our capacity for destruction and death on a worldwide scale, more visibly than ever. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, Yeats wrote. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. The center cannot hold. Things fall apart. We are living in a things fall apart time. Now, more than ever, we are aware of shortcomings, failure, evil, population through the roof, political breakdown, nation-state tension, resource depletion, media frenzy. We face more questions of survival than any previous generation. And if only the church were immune to the time in which we live— While I was in seminary, the Pew Research Center published their landmark 2014 religious landscape study, which tells us what we in the church already know and are struggling to face. Decline in American religious affiliation is at an all-time high, and it is jumping exponentially from generation to generation with each passing decade. And because we in the church are uncertain and anxious, we allow our vision to be clouded by the divided times in which we live. We lower our gaze to things that are not Christ. We're not in our best collective frame of mind to respond to the questions, challenges, and opportunities at hand. Things fall apart. In my imaginary memoir about Hannah Coe, the chapter chronicling the last two years of my life bears the title, Things Fall Apart. As some of you know, our family welcomed a third child in 2018, and every child expands your universe in ways that stretch you. And frankly, folks, I kind of felt like I had been stretched enough. But my pregnancy and my recovery and adjustment to life with three children has pushed me into new and very uncomfortable territory. The dog crate in our basement is really the perfect image for my chapter, Things Fall Apart. The crate pictured here has served us extremely well for nine years. But with time and repeated slobber from our dog, the latch has begun to rust and malfunction. And those four little bars that you see, sometimes they just all pop out of place. But what you need to know about the crate is that the latch only malfunctions at 8.50 a.m. Monday through Friday when I am frantically trying to load all three children and all four lunches and all four water bottles and whatever changes of clothes are needed for the day into the car so we can drive to school and run in the door exactly four seconds before the bell rings and the doors lock. Every morning. And in order to lock the dog in the crate, you have to hold these four pieces in place, and then you have to turn the rusty knob past this little stop bar at exactly the right time. 
And I'm trying to do that while I listen to the children scream and fight in the car. And the dog is panting and slobbering all over my hands. And I start rehashing again how I cannot get control of my morning routine. And I pick up my album, Things Fall Apart, and put it on my mental record player. And I play my favorite song, which is The Universe Conspires against me. I yelled. I was impatient and unreasonable. I tried to carry too many things to the car all at once, and I spilled coffee in my car way more times than I wish to admit over and over again. I cried in the car rider line. I tried to force the crate and our morning routine, sure that I could just make all the pieces click together with a few adjustments. But they didn't. Things fall apart. You know, the people of the early church lived in a time when things fall apart. The first Christians lived under social, political, and economic duress. They lived an unprivileged existence. They were labeled troublemakers, atheists, agitators. They lived in the minority and on the margins of an extremely divisive time. If anyone had the right to claim the Things Fall Apart soundtrack as their own, if anyone had the right to complain... They did. But when they humbly and bravely gathered on Resurrection Day each week to pray, to share in the communion meal, they sang a different song. And we're blessed to have a few of their early hymns written before the Gospels, written before the epistles, even before the time of Paul. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is one of those earliest Christian hymns. And if you read it, you know that surely it was written by crazy people because they sang about a reality that was beyond the political, ethnic, and religious division, beyond the powers, rulers, and authority, a world where all is reconciled, healed, held together in Christ, in him, all things hold together. It's interesting, the first Christians did not pass down to us their financial statements, growth strategies, or their attendance statistics. What they passed down to us is an understanding of faith as a matter of choice. Choosing to entrust their lives to Christ. Choosing to make Christ the object of their hopes and the focus of their daily life. Colossians 3 in the message paraphrase begins, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life in Christ, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. See things from his perspective. 
You know, just when we think we've got a pretty good handle on it all, God invites us deeper still. And I don't know about you, but I would prefer to be more in control and a little more well-informed about what God is up to, to feel a little more superior and saved, as Richard Rohr says. But faith is more about choosing than it is about feeling. God's transforming work is a force all its own. Thank goodness. And oh dear. And so the question is the same as always. Will we choose to see Christ? Will we choose to trust Christ? On one of my particularly low weeks this year, Catherine had been late to school more than one time that week already, and we pulled into the line, we were late again, walked up to the door, heard the doors locked, had to go in, sign Catherine in, unlock the door for her to go to class, give her her little slip of shame to take to her teacher. (laughs) And I came back to my car, and I got in the car, and I cried. I just felt so frustrated and so mad and like a failure. So as I'm sitting in my van with two other children to drop off, down Bel Air comes a city bus that stops at the bus stop that's right beside the school. And a dad stepped off the bus, and he was wearing a nice suit and tie, And he stood there and ushered his four children off the bus and then walked them into school six minutes late. Christ helped me to see and to trust more deeply this year by inviting me to unclench my hands and again empty myself of the need to be on top of everything, the master of time. He's helped me to see more clearly by showing me a different perspective, a different existence. And as I'm sure you could hear earlier, the letting go is not without frustration or tears or loss, but it is required by faith. Changing the way we see is some of the hardest work. I think we have to ask, does God really expect us to hold all these pieces together just so and turn that knob at exactly the right time, even though our arms are trembling and we're kind of paralyzed with anxiety and fear? Or are we instead invited to see things differently? To visualize ourselves held in the hands of Christ? Are we invited to trust in Christ's hands to let all those pieces go just for a moment in faith, for just a moment to release all those worst-case scenarios and judgments and our impossible load so that Jesus might have just a little space to give us grace or forgiveness or a dream for our future. In him, 
all things hold together. Dear church, what is the invitation for us? You know, during his ministry, Jesus restored sight to the physically blind. And he also conflicted with and ultimately was killed by leaders who refused to see and to trust that God might be doing something new. Will we allow Jesus to show us our blindness? What if our invitation is to see the world as Christ sees? The Bible envisions the church to be Christ's body, so that would make us collectively the eyes of Christ. Just because we are Christ's eyes doesn't mean that the view is always pretty. And if you're anything like me, you sort of prefer to look away when you see something that makes you uncomfortable or sad. And to see the world in 2019 as it is feels sort of like looking directly into the sun, which I remember in 2017 they told us not to do. The physical and spiritual hunger and poverty and slavery in our world are immense. The divisive spirit is heartbreaking. The questions before us are like none Face before in history. And yet we are the eyes of Christ. We must open our eyes to what is. In our souls, in our lives, in the world. We must see the pain. The longing. The need. The impasse. We must bear witness to the stories that are different. From our own. We must allow our seeing church to lead us to repentance so that through the power of Christ we will be able to see the future, the hope, the bridges to the other side. Our invitation is to see and to trust. Church, Christ is holding us together. In him, all things hold together. We do not have to be paralyzed with fear. The object of our faith is not our institutional survival. The object of our faith is Christ. And in him, all things hold together. And when we understand ourselves as held together and secure, we're free. We are free to take risks, to embrace change, to find fellowship with people who are different than us, to allow Christ to dream big dreams through us, and to embrace fully the pace at which Christ is making those dreams a reality. All because it is not we who are going to accomplish them. It is Christ. In the same way a child flourishes developmentally when she feels secure in her parents' care, so we can flourish when we view ourselves as held together in Christ. Trust 
brings Christ's body to maturity. At full maturity, Christ's body, it's the arms that hold and nourish and build the world, carrying humanity and creation to that space that God has prepared for us, beyond our division, beyond our brokenness, to the place where there is only love and hope and peace and joy for all people. The question is not whether or not Christ's body will exist in the future. The question is not whether or not there will ever be justice, equality, peace, or reconciliation of all things. The question, rather, is whether or not we are going to choose to be a part of it. So may we go from here seeing See what is, the truth of what is inside of us and the truth of what is out there, the brutality and the beauty. And may we go from here trusting, trusting. May we step out of our comfort zones. May we listen to a different perspective. May we choose to be bridge builders rather than bridge burners. May we work for reconciliation rather than feeding division. And may we allow Christ to invite us deeper still into transformation and love. Things fall apart is a convincing storyline. But by faith we are seeing and trusting that in him all things hold together. In Christ, no more. No less. Amen.